Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of Entrepreneur on Fire, and I want to welcome you to the Game Changers podcast hosted by Michelle Dutrell. I personally cannot speak more highly of the value of mentorship, and this podcast will bring you some of the best. If you want some inspiration back with strategy of how to make your vision a reality, stay tuned and prepare to ignite. Welcome, everybody, to this week's Game Changer podcast. My guest today is Patrick Galvin. And although we could talk about a myriad of different things, I'm really excited to bring you one specific topic that he has just written a book about that I think is something that no matter what you do in life, no matter where you are in life, no matter what age you are, hopefully you're a millennial and you're hearing this early on in your life and your career and it and it's a game changer for you and how you show up, which if you've listened to this podcast or read any of my blogs for any period of time, you know that to me that matters more than anything is not what you do, but how you do it. So that said, a little bit of a background uh, about Patrick. He's the co-founder and chief galvanizer of the Galvanizing Group, a brand strategy consulting and marketing company in Portland, Oregon. He enjoys galvanizing individuals and companies to create connections that increase loyalty, referrals, and sales without advertising. That's the key point of what we're going to talk about here. Don't think all of a sudden you just dropped into a business podcast and this is going to be Business 101. It's really on relationships, why they matter and how to cultivate them really for uh, a sustainable, long-lasting relationship that truly does matter, whether it's personally or professionally. That said, Patrick, what did I leave out that we all need to know before we dive into your book and the topic of relationships? Well, thank you for having me on your podcast. And this is the most exciting topic for me because it doesn't matter what your age is or whether you work for somebody or have your own company. When you really look at things, great relationships are the difference between success and failure, not just in business, but really in terms of one's happiness. You know, I agree. And I'll tell you the thing that is so cool and why I was inspired and really excited to talk to Patrick that we made this connection quite a while ago and I've waited to, to have this conversation. So uh, trust me, even though I have software that's wanted to be a little glitchy, I did everything to make sure that nothing was going to go haywire for today. So that said, and Patrick and I have not connected on this upstream, so this really is a first-time conversation, and he has no idea where I'm going with this or what I'm about to say, so I love people that are willing to throw themselves out there into nearly almost anything. So here, Patrick, these are my philosophies. I have my, my sort of top three things, if you will, when I'm talking to people about um, when they say, oh, I really know somebody, or I've got such a great relationship with so-and-so. My litmus test for them are these three things, and I'm going to bridge my three things onto uh, two points that you have in your book. Perfect. So here's my three. Tell me what you think of these. My first question is when somebody says, oh, I know that person so well, right? No, personally or professionally. Okay, one, do you know what really matters to them? Okay, there's one. The next is, do you know how you can help them get to where they want to go? And if you don't know where they want to go, I don't know how you're ever going to help them get there, right? And who could they be connected to that would really help them furthering their journey along? As we're talking about connectedness, by the way, the name of, uh, of Patrick's book is The Connector's Way, a story about building business one relationship at a time, which now you can see why we're just so congruent. So on those principles or points when you're evaluating, hey, how well do I really know somebody do you find that those things are important that you actually know what matters to somebody else and, and not put what matters to you at the forefront? Oh, 
Absolutely, Michelle. I, I, I could, it's, it's like I heard myself speaking there. Uh, we are absolutely on the same page. Um, and what we're talking about is not something brand new. This has is, this is stood the test of time. One of my favorite speakers, uh, he passed away a few years ago. He was in his 90s, and his most famous, famous line was, you can get anything you want in life by helping others get what they want. That's Zig Ziglar. Yes. And what you just said speaks exactly to that wisdom of his. Well, I'm a big fan of his as well, and I think I've listened to most everything he's got out uh, in recordings. So uh, again, you know, we obviously are very aligned. Now, where I want to tie this into your book that, by the way, it really is a lovely tale. At first, I thought I was um, reading, what is that uh, great Christmas movie that everybody watches uh, every year? Oh, It's a Wonderful Life. Yes, yes. <laughs> I thought, oh my gosh, I'm reading like a modern day version of It's a Wonderful Life. And then I thought I was... Uh, uh, reading uh, Who Moved My Cheese, because it's kind of a tale of really drawing parallels of what matters to you, how do you think, why do you think that way? And and it really is, it's a, it's a, it's a great story that truly anybody can relate to. But I'm going to read to you Patrick's seven rules for building business, one relationship at a time. And I want to focus on two of them for the remainder of this podcast, but I want to go through seven. One is to nurture body and mind to create positive energy and enthusiasm that attracts others. No kidding. I used to have a uh, painted on my kitchen wall uh, the saying or the statement, be responsible for the energy you show up with. I love that. Right. I mean, and that's kind of this point one is when you walk into a room, you and you alone are responsible for either bringing that room up or bringing that room down. And that, that really is our own personal responsibility. Okay. This is not what we're talking about though. Uh, point two, seek out individuals who expose you to a new way of thinking. Love this. Points three and four, I'm going to do last because this is what I want to talk about on this show. Point five, exceed expectations. Love that. Point six, let people know how they can help you succeed. Love that when you get there at right time, right place, right? Absolutely. Most it's people, all about timing. Mo that's right. Most people, I think, lead with that. And seven, be grateful, and which applies to all things in life, no matter what, in every moment. But points three and four, this is what I really want to do a deep dive on. Point three, ask your connections how you can be of service to them. And point four, serve others without consideration for how you will benefit and I will tell you, having been in sales for um, uh, well more than a decade, the thing that I think really gets my attention, especially somebody new in sales, is when we're leading with features and benefits, right? Or we're leading with a brochure. Hey, mm -hmm. here's how I can sell you. And you don't even know what this individual needs, right? You have no idea mm -hmm. what they need, what they want, and you're already walking in, selling them on what you think is important, what should be important to them, and why they should buy. Well, exactly. And isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. And, and Theodore Roosevelt said it best. He said, uh, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's it. That's it. So when you're talking to people, and obviously, you know, you're a, a branding and marketing um, expert. And I am also at the end of the show here going to encourage people to jump onto your website if they need any assistance with that. But tell me in your own business, when you're starting to work with people, the amount of time that you take in exactly that before you sell them on, hey, here's what your brand should be. At, and I'm just curious how much time you personally take in getting to know somebody before you can even figure out how you can help them. Oh, I, I absolutely make it a rule never to talk about what we do um, and how I think that their need could be met. Um, and I have learned this uh, from a lot of mentors over the years that start with questions and start with curiosity. I mean, if you 
come at somebody thinking that you know all their problems and you have all the answers for them, you absolutely are probably missing the boat because how, how could you possibly know that without having a conversation? So I think for me, the key is to go into every conversation with enthusiasm, with curiosity, and with questions. Um, and if you have a relationship, things will happen, whether that's selling something, whether it's getting a date, no matter what it is, um, if people know that you care, that is really the place of success to begin from. And when you're asking questions from a place of curiosity, don't you think that anybody, well, certainly most people maybe, can tell the difference of asking questions because you are genuinely interested and you care versus leading questions to further your own personal agenda? Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. If people sense that there's a script, yeah. oh, well, this guy's going to go through questions one through five of his getting to know right. you conversation. <laughs> that is not a good thing. That's not a good place to be. So really, what I look at is, you know, what might I have in common with this person? Um, so you could start from many different points. But for instance, when you uh, walk into somebody's office, uh, most people have things out that are signs of what's important to them. It might be a picture of a family, a vacation, some cool spot that perhaps you've been to. It might be some activity activity that they do that you share. And you could just ask them questions about that because even better than just asking questions and finding, about, finding out about them is developing some rapport. So there are always visual cues of where connection points might be made. And those are going to, of course, vary from person to person. And there's no two people are alike, nor should no two set of questions be alike. And it shouldn't be a set of questions. It should be spontaneous and from the heart. So imagine right now we're talking with somebody who considers themselves to be maybe more of an introvert, right? They're not outgoing. They wouldn't be the first one to raise their hand, let's say, to be interviewed on a podcast, right? <laughs> right. So, and, and for whatever reason, and even if you didn't wind up being in a sales role, it doesn't matter what you're doing in life. You do have to, need to, and should want to interact with other people. So let's say you're talking to that somebody who's a little more of an introvert and saying, I just, uh, I just, when I'm in a crowd, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to start a conversation. I just feel that um, I'm going to stammer and fall all over myself. Where would you advise that person start or maybe some tips on, okay, if that is you and you're maybe not typically the most outgoing, gregarious person in the room, what are some things that you would tell them they can do in order to kind of build their way toward developing these really deep, meaningful relationships, even if you are an introvert? Well, the good news is I think introverts can be some of the best networkers because they're not going to work a room like an extrovert might, handing out business cards and glad handing people on the back. I think an introvert has an advantage that they understand probably the discomfort of about 40% of that room. Um, according to the research I've seen, about 40% of people at a networking event are on the introverted side of the equation. And I think the best place for an introvert to start is talking to other introverts. And you can spot them. They're the people standing on the fringe of a room looking very uncomfortable. They're the people who are kind of not looking anyone in the eye. And some of these people will just be elated if you go over to them and just start talking to them. And it's a lot less intimidating if you're an introvert and you start talking to an introvert. And the good news is that person you're talking to is really going to be more open open to a deeper conversation because they don't want to work the room. And I think some of the best networkers don't go into um, a, a new place thinking, how many people can I meet? They think, well, you know, how can I form a bond with a person? And if there's time to form a bond with another person, great. But my biggest successes have come not from meeting everyone in a room, but going to a, going to a place and talking to one or two people. And that's it, as opposed to just 
spreading myself around. And I have to force myself not to spread myself around because I'm an extrovert. And I think introverts, if you focus on other introverts, that's a great starting point. And as you do more of that, you're going to become more comfortable. And then you could go talk to those aggressive extroverts out there. But, you know, start with the tribe you know. I, I love this. And you mentioned in your book, and, you know, like I said, really everybody should get it. It's a, it's, a, it's a great read and a great story. And there's so many points to be made across the board. And in here, too, you also reference the value of it's far better to have 100, let's talk about like um, social media and social networking, right? To have 100 true fans than 10,000 on an email list that don't even know what you're about or what you're doing. Exactly. I, I am such a huge believer in quality versus quantity. And depending on the social media platform, there's the race on LinkedIn to get to 500 connections because then it shows you have 500 plus connections. Right. Uh, but come on. I mean, how many people know 500 people really well? And if you're hanging out at you know, 200 to 300 connections, but these are people who you know, like, and trust, and they feel the same way towards you. And these are people you're confident referring, and they feel confident about referring you, you're much better off than that person who's added everyone who sent them a LinkedIn connection request over the years. It might have 10,000. Because how many people do you need who are enthusiastic about you for it to help your business? How many people do you need to love you for you to feel self-realized as a person? That's right. Uh, That's right. It's not a numbers game. And that's one of my big... um, one of, my, one, of my, one of my big messages in the book and when I talk to people is, you know, don't worry about the quantity of people you know. Worry about the quality. And I, this point, if it, let's take it on LinkedIn. So let's say you need something. Uh, you know, maybe you need to um, meet somebody or you're, uh, I, don't, if, I don't care if it's a CPA or more knowledge in a certain area. When you think about it, if you are one of those people with 500 plus people, how many of those people, let's say you need a good CPA, okay, or you need advice. How many people on those, those 500 people on your list could you go to and say, oh, I know, I bet Julie knows somebody because she's in, the, she's in a financial advisor. Out of those people, how many people do you even know what they do? Yeah. So, yeah. right. So really, what is the point of this? And, and that would be the big thing with this conversation. If there was an overriding umbrella, it really would be to say, who's in your tribe right? Who are you truly in service of? Do you really know what matters to them? And how are you helping them in a genuine way reach that goal? Mm-hmm. And especially when it has nothing to do with any personal gain that you're ever going to get, ever. Absolutely. I mean, if you're a giver and a, a, a great writer, uh, Bob Berg wrote a book called The Go-Giver. And the notion that he communicates in his book is if you give to others and you don't think about getting, if you just go out there and give, things come back to you. And I have seen that in my life. I've seen it in the lives of uh, family and friends. I've seen it in the lives of my clients. And I mean, it's a little bit paradoxical because some folks think, well, you just have to be aggressive. It's a dog-eat-dog world out there. You've got to go for, go for the clothes. Uh, <laughs> remember that Alec Baldwin movie where he says, coffee is for closers? It's oh, kind of, always be closing. The ABCs. Be closing. ABC, yes. You know, or you get a set of steak knives and step number three or prize three is, <laughs> is there's the door. You're fired. Yeah. I love that. I love it's that movie. very funny. But yeah. unfortunately, yeah. some people have drunk this Kool-Aid and they're, they're looking for the jugular when they should be looking for the heart. And the way you find the heart is through conversation, through curiosity, and really through figuring out how can you be of service to that person. Now, let's, let's speak to this. Let's say right now someone is listening and they're going, okay, um, I'm in the middle of a couple of deals, whatever it is that you're working through, and you realize you can't answer any one of the questions we've thrown out. 
right? You, you really don't know. Is there a point in time that you feel is too late where it's going to be weird or awkward? Or is today a day you can pick up the phone, even if you've known someone for six months or a year or five years for that matter, and just reach out to them and say, Hey, you know, I don't know if I've asked this lately or maybe, you know, at all ever, but I'd like to know how I can help you. And it's not to do with whatever we're working on over here on the sale. Just really, how can I help you? I'm sure there are people right now listening, thinking that's just going to come across as weird. It's too late. I can only now try that with people that I'm just now meeting. I don't agree with that. And um, I think that it's always the right time to help people. And how many calls do we get like that? Right. Um, I'm, I, as you asked that question, Michelle, I was just thinking, when's the last time I've received a call like that? Of just someone reaching out kind of out of the blue. I'm asking that in probably three months ago, one person did it and they were sincere. This is a person I, I know well, but we've been out of touch for a while and it made my day. Right. And I don't think there's ever a wrong time to do what you did. And what you just described is extremely unusual. And it's a shame because I think if people did that, they would be amazed at the results that they would get from, from conversations like that. I, I agree. And so let's talk also on if you are, let's say today your one action item is, and I hope that it is that you reach out to somebody, whether you met them yesterday or you met them 10 years ago, and say just that, say, hey, you know what, you're on my mind. And whatever it is that you have going on in life, is there anything that I can do for you? Is there any way that I can help no matter what that is, right? Yes. And the key though is to follow through because unfortunately some people have been coached to ask that question. And then I've actually had the experience of being very specific from someone who I was delighted asked me that question. I said, you know, there is something, it was a very minor thing. And the person said, oh, um, well, I'm kind of busy, right? Could you believe this? I'm kind of busy, but let's have a conversation about that in a couple of weeks and I never heard from them again. So if you're going to do it, follow through, follow through. Right. Yes. So be, be wary that if the person says, wow, perfect timing, I'm moving this weekend. Could you and your pickup truck come over, <laughs> right? Be at the ready. Uh, right. But, but, but that, is, that is the reality. And I'm so glad that you brought this up, that whatever that thing is, you do absolutely have to follow through, which leads me to my next thing, which is any one of these questions when we're engaging with people, I hope that it's on the forefront of people's mind that this relationships are not a short game. They're a long game. They're, you're in this for the long haul. This is not what can I say and do right now for my quick win on the backside. Oh, no. You are right. And so many people are short-term thinkers. And I can yes. think of one of our best clients right now uh, started from a relationship I had with one of the employees at this company when he was with one of their competitors. Uh, we never ended up doing work together. Uh, and this, when he was at the competitor, he went to another company. We stayed in touch. I, I tried to help him out in kind of getting his feet on the ground in this new company. And it wasn't until the third company along in our relationship that he called me up and said, Patrick, I'm not sure if you do this, but can you help me with this? And if I had abandoned him when he got fired from his first job, um, I would have lost out on a great business connection and also on a wonderful friend. And I think so many people can oftentimes be opportunistic and thinking, well, this person is useful for me now, so um, I'm going to focus my attention on And then if something happens to him, some folks lose, lose interest. And that's, that's very short-sighted because we live in this interconnected world. We just don't know what someone's next step is going to be and when that next step might intersect with something that would be interesting to us. 
That, that's right. And, you know, as you were just telling that story, it made me think when I just, uh, I'm renting a house, I just moved uh, to Southern California from San Francisco. And I was about a month in and I reached out to the realtor who was representing the owner of this house. And so I said, hey, you know, um, could I get the name of the gentleman who was here working on blah, blah, blah. I've, you know, got a question. And her response was, that transaction is over. And so I'm no longer affiliated with that owner or that house. Good luck to you. Oh my goodness. I'm thinking that, that that person's in your Rolodex. You know what I mean? Could have easily yeah. said, Hey, his name is Jim Brown. Here's his phone number. If you need anything else or I can be of any other service because I'm renting for a year before I buy, wouldn't it be great that you as a super helpful realtor stayed in my periphery of somebody oh, I might want to call in the future? That right? is, that is so, um, hitting to the point right now. Yesterday I was talking to the manager of a real estate office here in Portland and she said that 95% of their sales are coming from 5% of their agents. And we were talking a little bit more and she said, you know, it's funny, the 5% who are really generating 95% of the volume, they're all relationship builders. And the ones who are struggling, the other, the other 90, the other, uh, uh 95% are just not thinking that way. So I, unfortunately, I think your realtor might be in that 95%. Well, I, I think she might be. So while we're on this trend, let's just finish this topic. Not that I want to be all kinds of negative Nelly, but let's talk about things not to do. Like really things not to do. A, another one, especially from millennials out there, since you're, you know, hopefully just starting out in the workflow and trying to make a name for yourself. Patrick, you tell me how you feel about this. In a relationship, whether you're at a cocktail party, a business meeting, standing on the sidelines of, of your kid's uh, soccer game, the one of, I was going to say the worst, but there's a few, one of the worst things I think a way someone can show up as is the one-upper. So mm -hmm. you meet someone for the first time. Let, let's take your example. Here's a, a, a picture of somebody fishing, right? And so they say, oh, I see. Did you fish at so-and-so? Oh, yeah. Look at that. I, I won the record of the day. I caught a 10-pound bass. The response is not, wow, that's interesting because at 10 years old, I caught one that was 20 pounds. <laughs> but you know, it's amazing how sometimes I'm in situations where I'm watching interactions going, how do you think that's actually going to play out? Like you can't, you can't have the goal to be the smartest person in the room, the most athletic person in the room, right? The person who knows more people as a name dropper than anyone else in the room. There's no gain in that. No, one of my favorite people in the world says, I don't care about being the most interesting person in the room. I just want to be the most interested person in the room. Brilliant. Yes. Right. But haven't you seen that? You know, oh, yeah. all the time, yeah. all the time. And I, you know, I think more often than not, it comes from uh, a sense of inferiority or right. a sense of, you know, maybe I'm not as good as this person. So I'm going to show them, which is sad because, um, uh, no one has that judgment when they don't really even know you that well. Um, so just listen and celebrate that person's success, right. whether it's catching a fish, landing a job, finding a date, whatever it is, celebrate the moment. I mean, I, I think everyone is starving for that, that attention and because there's just way too much of the behavior you described. Uh, and you know what's fantastic? Um, if anybody listened to my last week's podcast, the one that you're following was on this exact topic, uh, celebrating people's wins, no matter how big or small, that that's really how we need to show up, right? Really and celebrating others. And it, it's, not, it's not about when you are trying to um, maybe make a name for yourself or, or try to seem worthy in a room. The way to do that truly is through being humble, not mm. by being the person who's the most brilliant, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's just, there's so many examples of that. Uh, 
you know, uh, George Bush, the, the, the first George Bush said that he was the thank you card president. And this was in an interview with Time Magazine and the reporter said, well, what does that mean? And he said, um, I just recognize people's successes. And by his reckoning, he sent out 10,000 thank you cards in the course of his political career. Wow. And you know, whether or not you agree with his politics doesn't matter. I mean, the fact is, this guy rose through the ranks of pretty much every political position, you know, head of the CIA, vice president, and then president, in large part because he was really good at letting people know how grateful he was for them, as well as celebrating their career and life successes. And it set him apart from so many other politicians who are very self-centered. Well, you know, it's funny that you mentioned this. I had no idea about uh, that with him. The person that I had heard this exact same thing about was Princess Diana, that in her car, she always had a stack of thank you cards. So whenever she was at any event and got back into her car on the drive back to, wow. I guess, Buckingham Palace, but on the drive back in immediacy, she would write those thank you cards right then and right there after every single meeting of anywhere she went. And there's so much to be learned from that on your last point on gratitude, right? Even being grateful that someone spent time with you, no matter what that topic is, just like I think what stands out when you said, you know, hey, it was three months ago before somebody called and said, hey, how can I help you? When was the last time you received a handwritten thank you card just thanking you for your time or sharing your wisdom or whatever it is? Unfortunately, it just doesn't happen anymore. It, it, usually, it usually doesn't. Fortunately, I talk about gratitude and thank you cards, so I tend to get a lot after I remind people. Nice. <laughs> nice. Hopefully that's one thing that people take into practice, right? And it's not just one and done, right? They, they do. And actually, most most people, if you sort of search the memory banks, you'll think back at the time after Christmas when your mom or dad said, you know, you've got to get the thank you cards out. And the sad thing is, I think that's going away. Uh, but I think people who were old enough uh, before the internet was the de facto way to uh, text or, or email or I am somebody, uh, when people put pen to paper, unfortunately, that is a dying art. The good news is if you practice it, you're going to really benefit because you're going to stand out. Oh, apart. you're going to stand out. That's exactly right. You are going to stand out. So on my last point, this is uh, a point in your book right before I hit record. I don't think I said this after I hit record. I said, hey, there's something I'm going to read, which I read your points, but there's one thing that is my takeaway from your book that is, I don't do this and I am going to start doing it today. And I will make this my long-term uh, forever practice because it's so brilliant. And I thought, why, why have I never done that? Why have I never even thought to do that? So here's the point from your book. When you're introducing somebody, right? And which there's times that we're in a, maybe a group of three or four and, mm -hmm. and somebody walks up and let's say Ted is to your left and Mary's to your right and, and Mary and Ted don't know each other. And you say, hey, Mary, the typical thing is Mary, Ted, Ted, Mary. That, that's the introduction. Right. Whether it's email or in person or whatever, that's, that's usually how that goes. Yep. And in your book, what you reference is, hey, here's Ted. You want to talk about somebody who is, you know, the most amazing badminton player you've ever seen. If you're having a badminton <laughs> tournament, the guy is uncanny. And further, the kindest gentleman I've ever met. Yes. And, and instead of just introducing somebody by name, if you stop and think... What is the most fantastic? Maybe it's unique. Maybe it's funny. Maybe it's their brilliance. But, but genuinely from your heart, what do you know about this person that is so fantastic? And when you introduce them to introduce them that way, now not only the person on the receiving end, Mary, is going to learn something that she wouldn't have known outside of just a name, Ted. Mm -hmm. But Ted's also going to think, wow, how did you remember that? Why are you going out of your way to make me look good? And both of them are so much more memorable than just saying, Ted, this is Mary, Mary, this is Ted. It's, it's, I swear to you, I reread that line, I don't know how many times, thinking, 
what is wrong with me? Why have I never done that? It's so I'm from now on. That's it. That's my, that's my new thing. Everywhere I go, that's what I'm going to do. Patrick, by the way, I should have said if I didn't to the audience, Patrick, great book writer, fantastic enthusiasm, more energy than you, you can shake a stick at. And everybody, this is Patrick because that's the truth, right? Well, you know, it is a marvelous thing to do. We all are starving for recognition and attention. So when someone goes out of their way to make us look like a hero, puts us on a pedestal, highlights what makes us, what makes us unique, it's just something that warms, warms our hearts. And it's, it's not something we get enough. And right. I'm going to be going off to a meeting uh, very soon. And there's a gentleman at in my Rotary Club, I'm a big proponent of uh, Rotary Club, and uh, this guy brings more guests than any other person to our club because he's a connector. He's going out there building relationships, and he inspired what I wrote in the book because it's a real person and a real, a real technique that he uses, and he does it from the heart. Not only does he bring more guests to our Rotary Club, more of his guests become members of our club because they get this enthusiastic verbal embrace from him, and they would be crazy not to join. Right. He puts them on a pedestal. Why would they not want to be going back to this environment where they're on a pedestal? So he doesn't do it to close members, although it happens. He does it because he connects with people. And that's really what it's all about. That's right. It's, it's genuinely who he is. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not just some tactic he read about in a book, although I'm coming off like that's what I'm saying right now. Uh, it is something I read in a book. It is something I'm going to do, <laughs> but it does matter. And genuinely, if you're going to throw out, take another five seconds of airspace, why not? Right. Why not say something that's really fantastic about another individual? So it's all great. So now we're, we're coming to a close. Certainly, I don't want to hold you up from the from the Rotary Club meeting, which, in fact, is in the book. Tell, tell folks two things. One, how they can get a hold of your book. And two, if they do want to work with you because they, they're needing some marketing and branding, which I uh, genuinely speaking, you should be working with people that, you know, like and trust. And I hope that Patrick has come across already as one of those individuals. So. How can people find your book and how can they find you if they'd like to learn more and work with you? Well, thank you, Michelle. The easiest way to get my book is on Amazon. The title is The Connector's Way. Uh, it's available both in print and Kindle formats uh, on Amazon. In terms of getting in touch with me, my website, my personal website is patrickgalvin.com. That's uh, Patrick uh, with a K and Galvin, G-A-L-V-I-N. And uh, from there, they can link over to the Galvanizing Group and learn about my company. Perfect. And that'll all be on show notes, as you all know. So you can just uh, click the link and go right to those sites and the link to Amazon as well. So Patrick, I always ask everybody the same final two questions uh, as we are coming to a close here. Uh, the first one being, if um, you could give out as it relates to relationships, because that's what we're talking about here. If you could give out one single piece of advice, what would that be? It really comes down to asking people how you can be of service to them um, and following through. It's what we talked about. Uh, you will succeed in life to the extent that you help others succeed. Fantastic. Uh, I can't wait. I'm just thinking in my head, this is uh, going to be a great uh, quote. I can't wait to uh, start putting out in social media. So it was fantastic. Um, uh, on your, your behalf, to your credit, let's just know I'm not going <laughs> to take that. That probably said like, oh, I can't wait to claim that line to be my own. <laughs> no, I mean, crediting you. Uh, okay, final question. Out of everything you have been through in life, what is the one thing that you absolutely know to be true? People are essentially good. 
you just have to get at it sometimes. Some people have harder shells. Um, but if you go into relationships from the standpoint of curiosity and from really trying to understand the other, uh, when you dig a little bit deep, humanity is good. Fantastic. Well, Patrick Galvin, it has been an absolute pleasure. I have been looking forward to this conversation for some time. So honestly, from my heart, thank you for sharing your enthusiasm and your passion and your wisdom uh, around what it really means to create and build and maintain long-lasting, meaningful relationships. Thank you so much. Thank you, Michelle. It's been, it's been very fun talking to you. Thanks for listening in on this episode of the Game Changers podcast. The next step is to hit the subscribe button to make sure you never miss an episode or any of our incredible guests. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you next time.